If you have your Bible this morning for our time together in God's Word, we're going to be over in the book of Philippians, chapter 1. We took a break last week as we addressed the subject of the Lord's Supper. This morning we're back in Philippians, chapter 1, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. The topic I want to speak to you about this morning is a very important topic that is going to primarily address the relationship between a pastor and a congregation. But this really could apply to any relationship, especially any relationship that involves Christians. For it to be a healthy relationship, there needs to be this healthy bond that is there between those who are involved. And this morning, as we're going to look at verses 7 and 8, we're going to see where Paul says, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Here Paul is speaking about his relationship with the church at Philippi and their relationship with him. And sadly, far too often, the relationship between those who are the shepherds of the church and those who are the sheep is not as it should be. And it leads to conflict, it leads to disunity in the body of Christ. But this morning we're going to see from Paul the two things that should tie them together. And it's appropriate for Paul to be the one to address this with them because Paul was the founding pastor of this church. He was the first pastor of this church. If you recall, back in Acts chapter 16, it was Paul who first showed up in the area in the city of Philippi. He goes out to that riverside where he founds a group of ladies that are there and he begins to preach the gospel to them. And a lady there by the name of Lydia was there and God opened her heart and she responded by genuine saving faith in coming to Christ. And not only did she get saved on that day, but it goes on to speak about her whole household got saved and they all were baptized in the name of Christ and identified with Christ. And then we saw Paul be used of God to deliver a slave girl that was there in the area. And then whenever he was in the jail, if you recall, it was there that the earthquake happened and the, the doors were opened and, and Paul and all the prisoners stayed there and that jailer who'd been listening to them proclaim the gospel as they were praising God comes rushing in asking about how to be saved. And Paul speaks the gospel to him and he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and he gets saved and he goes to the household of this jailer and he preaches the gospel to them and they all got saved. And this is how this chart, this church started and Paul was the founder of that. He was the one the Lord used. So it's right for him to be the one that's sharing here his heart. Now obviously, he's no longer there. He had moved on to proclaim the gospel in other areas as God had called him. Yet he still has a relationship with this church. A relationship that allows him to continue to speak truth into their life. To continue to minister the gospel to them. And that's why even though he's not there, 
Paul is in some sense like it is in a relationship between the shepherds or the pastors of a church and the people, the sheep of the church and this relationship that should be there, that should be strong between the two parties involved. Paul is going to share with us this morning as we look at these two verses. This bond. There are two parts to this bond that need to be there. One is loyalty and the other is love. That is, there needs to be an attitude of loyalty toward one another and there needs to be an affection of love for one another. An attitude of loyalty toward one another and an affection of love for one another. Let's look in this, the first one. Let's look at this attitude of loyalty toward one another. Go to verse 7. Where Paul says, it is only right for me to feel this way about you all. It's that word there, that phrase there of his feelings for them. This is not speaking about his emotions. This is the same word that Paul uses over in chapter 2 and verse 5 where he's speaking about this attitude of Christ where he says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is, have this mindset, have this disposition. This is what he's speaking about here in verse 7. He's sharing with them Yes, how he feels about them, how he thinks about them, his disposition towards them. And this is the way he feels about all of them who are there. And notice what he says there about this attitude of loyalty. He speaks about the rightness of this attitude. It is right for him to feel this way. It is only right that I have this kind of attitude, this disposition of loyalty towards you. That is, it's morally responsible for him to do this as a believer, to feel this way about his fellow believers. What way? This joy in his heart for them as he thinks about them, as he remembers them on a regular basis in his prayers, his confidence in, in them and the work of God in their life and in their congregation. It is right for him to have this kind of attitude. But notice also he gives the reason. The reason for this attitude. It's only right for me to have this feeling, this attitude about you all because I have you in my heart. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In verse 3, there he's speaking to the church at Corinth and he says, quote, you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Which is whether we live or die, we are going down together. We're going to stand together. We're going to be together. He's speaking here of loyalty. Paul's loyalty for them, for this church here at Philippi, but their loyalty for Paul. They had a deep mutual friendship and loyalty with Paul. Notice how it manifests itself. How is it that the church, Paul says, 
I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. You see, they're in this together. What Paul's going through is what they're going through. What they are going through, Paul's going through. We're partakers of grace together. But when you read through the whole book, you see it how it was that they demonstrated their loyalty to Paul. They demonstrated their loyalty to him by supporting him in three specific ways. One, they supported him spiritually through their prayers and their concerns for him. Look over in verse 19 of chapter 1. He says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers. Paul knew that the church at Philippi was consist they were consistently lifting him up in prayer. They were praying for him. They were praying for his deliverance from that prison. And he knew this about them. He knew they were supporting with him, supporting him spiritually by praying for him. They were concerned for him and his well-being. But they didn't just support him spiritually. They supported him financially. Go over to chapter 4 for a moment. Go to Philippians chapter 4 in verse 10. Where he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. And he says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Verse 15, you yourselves know, or verse 14, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Here they are. They're sharing with Paul in his affliction. And it goes on to say, and you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, after I left your area, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. You have been faithful and now they've had another opportunity come their way to support him financially and they revived their concern for him. They, they were always looking for an opportunity to support Paul, not just spiritually, but also financially. To share with him, even in his afflictions. Beloved, they had a loyalty to him that they showed in their support not just spiritually, not just financially, but also physically. Look over in chapter 2 for a moment. Go back to Philippians chapter 2. In verse 24, he speaks about, or verse 23, he says, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me, that is, send Timothy. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. They, this church at Philippi, had sent one of their own members by the name of Epaphroditus to go to where Paul was in jail to go there to make sure and whatever opportunities he would have before him to be able to minister to the physical needs of Paul. He delivers a financial gift to them, to Paul. 
to financially support him. He lets them, he lets Paul know, Paul, we've been praying for you and praying that God would deliver you. But also he was there to minister to his very needs, his physical needs. Spiritually, financially, physically, this is a church that had showed their loyalty to Paul by supporting him in the ministry. But secondly, beloved, they showed their loyalty to Paul by standing with Paul. Just by standing with him. Look again back in chapter 1 in verse 7. He says, I have you in my heart because of this. Because in my imprisonment, And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. What's Paul saying there? He's saying, you have stood with me every step of the way. You have stood with me in the good times, and you've stood with me in the bad times. You've stood with me, though now I am in prison, and identifying with Paul, a prisoner, was actually putting their own lives at risk. But they said, we're going to stand with you. We're going to identify with you. We're not taking a step back. We're going to stay with you, Paul. He says, you have been there in my imprisonment, but also in the defense and even the confirmation of the gospel. That is, Paul, even when you were a free man and able to go about proclaiming the gospel and seeing the the gospel progressing in the kingdom of God and people being saved and other churches started, we were there with you. We stood with you. We supported you with that. When you had to go before and give your defense to the courts, Paul, we were there. Paul saying, you were there with me. You were partakers of grace with me. You always identified with me. Beloved, see, Paul would know what it would be like to not be supported. To not have people remain loyal when things got tough. When things weren't going well. I know this because he specifically writes about it. Go over in your Bible for just a moment to 2 Timothy. Go over to 2 Timothy. Go to chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And what you're going to see is that sometimes, beloved, in the ministry, personally, but also sometimes in the ministry corporately as a church, It can be lonely. It can be tough. Notice what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15. He says, you are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia, they turned away from me. All who are in Asia, they all turned away from me. Thankfully, he brings up a positive example of a man by the name of Anisiphorus there in verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Anisiphorus. Why? For he often refreshed me. He wasn't ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. Paul says, look. 
There's a man who had to come from outside of the area to come minister for me and to support me and to stand there with me because everyone else that was there in Asia, they turned away from me. They didn't want to be identified with me. And if you look up even earlier in the chapter in here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he's even needing to remind Timothy of this and exhorting him as well, don't be timid and don't be disloyal. Be loyal not just to me, but to the gospel. Notice what he says there. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a power and love and discipline. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. He knew that there would even be the temptation for Timothy to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or to be ashamed of the chains that Paul found himself in for the cause of Christ. So he's saying, Timothy, don't step back. Don't become disloyal. Stay true. Don't be timid. But be strong in the power and the love and the discipline the Spirit that the Lord has given you. Look over Stay in 2 Timothy and go over to chapter 4 for a moment. This little closing section personally is a, it really is a heartbreaking section in some sense. Because we see that people are abandoning Paul. There are those who are there to be by his side, but there are those who are abandoning him. And verse 10, he speaks of Demas having loved this present world and has deserted me. He just up and abandoned me. Then he speaks about in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. So he's had someone who's been verbally and physically opposing him. He's had one who's abandoned him. And then read in verse 16, at my first offense, no one, not one single person supported me, but all deserted me. But may it not be accounted against them. But the Lord, he stood with me and he strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. And the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul knew the Lord was standing with him. But what is sad to see is that at this first defense, not one person was willing to support him, to stand there with him and identify with him. So this is why, beloved, when you see Paul over here writing to the church at Philippi, he says, look, I have you in my heart because in my imprisonment and in my defense and in my confirmation of the gospel you have stood with me. You didn't take one step back. You weren't even hypocrites about it. You didn't go behind my back and do anything. You stood with me. And beloved, please hear what I'm saying. It's easy to stand with one another when things are going well in the ministry. But the test of loyalty is when things aren't going well. 
Far too often, it's easy at that point for people's loyalty to drift. To drift from those that are speaking the gospel truth. Beloved, what you want is to see that folks are being faithful and faithful to the gospel and they're being faithful to the gospel and faithful to their calling and faithful to service and, and however it is the Lord's gifted them and called them to serve and to, in the body of Christ if they're being faithful to that I'm not talking about a blind loyalty here if someone's being unfaithful to the gospel, unfaithful to the word of God and, or unfaithful to the calling on their life and what God has gifted them to do that beloved, you, you should, there should be something that's spoken about that but when there's a faithfulness that is there please understand there should be loyalty that is there. No doubt it meant a lot to Paul when the people here at Philippi were standing with him when he was free and Proclaiming the gospel. But it meant more to him. When they were doing it. When things weren't going well. And beloved we should have that same attitude. Of loyalty. Here in the body of Christ. Let me share. One other. Important bond. Go back to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. It wasn't just this godly attitude of loyalty that really they had toward one another. It was also a godly affection of love that they had for one another. A godly affection of love. This is what Paul expresses in verse 8. Where he says, For God is my witness. How I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Brother, this verse here in verse 8 is just filled. This is the verse that's filled with emotion. This is the verse that's filled with passion. I'm longing for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Verse 7 is speaking about the loyalty that was there. Verse 8 here is speaking about the love that should be there. To get his point across, he lets them know as he says there in verse 8, For God is my witness. That is, I would call God to come testify to you that God knows my heart because God knows all of our hearts. He knows all the the very inner workings of our heart and our affections and, and how we feel and how we think about one another and how we care for one another and how we love for one another. And he says, God knows and God could come and testify before you on my behalf and say that I have this longing and this loving of you and for you. Notice he says, I long for you all. I'm longing for you. He speaks about that same kind of longing over in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 3 and verse 6 where he's gotten a report back from Timothy about the church at Thessalonica. And in that report, Timothy said to Paul, Paul, the church at Thessalonica, they're longing for you just as much as you're longing for them. You see that mutual longing, that mutual love that was there between Paul and the churches that he had ministered to. You want to see this kind of longing? Look over in Philippians chapter 2. Go to chapter 2 for a moment. He mentioned a moment ago Epaphroditus that they had sent. And he says about him in verse 26, because 
He was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Do you see this mutual love that is there? Paul is saying, look, Epaphroditus was longing to get back to you all because you heard that he was sick and he was distressed about you. He wasn't distressed about himself. He was longing to see you. He was longing to be with you because he was distressed that you were so concerned about him. I mean, because he was sick. Because Paul says in verse 27, indeed, he was sick to the point of death. I mean, this man had almost given his life. That's why he goes on to say in verse 29, Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. And Epaphroditus is sick, and he's there sick on his deathbed, and as he's getting better, he's, he's distressed about the people back at Philippi, his brothers and sisters in Christ, because he knows they've heard that he's sick, and they are concerned, very concerned about him, and he's concerned about them. This is this longing this affection of love, this longing to see one another, this longing to be with one another, this longing to see how every person is doing physically and spiritually in the Lord. This is what's a part of this bond. That's why Paul, when he wrote to Timothy over in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 4, he says, I'm longing to see you Because if I get to see you, I'm going to be filled with joy. This longing. Notice what he says back in verse 1. I'm longing for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. That word for affection there really speaks about the inward parts of the body. It's really a graphic term speaking about the bowels of a person. And he's just saying there is this deep, abiding affection and love and concern for you. He speaks this way again to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8 where he says, having this fond affection for you, we came here and didn't just impart the word of God to you, we imparted our own life to you. We gave you our life when we were there with you. Why? Because we had this affection for you. When you have an affection for one another, there's this longing to be with one another, and there's this love that says, I will lay down my life for you. I will sacrifice for you. This is what Paul is even saying to them here in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 17. He says, but even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice. And I share my joy with you all. And you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Let this be a mutual affection that we have for one another that we're willing to lay down our life and sacrifice and be poured out and have this longing to be with one another, to minister to one another, to care for one another. This is what Paul is driving. He's driving home. His love for this church at Philippi and their love for him. 
He wants to see them. He wants to be with them. In fact, you think about it, over in chapter 1, he says, in verse 25, he's convinced of this. What is he convinced of? He's convinced that he's going to get to remain on in the flesh. That is, he's convinced that the sentence he's going to receive is not going to be one unto death. It's going to be one that's going to allow him to go free. And the reason why he's convinced of that is because he knows, though it would be better for him personally if he actually was sentenced to death. He said, it would be better for me personally if the, if the ruler would come back and say, Paul, I sentence you to death for the cause of the gospel. Because Paul says, that's better for me because as soon as he sentences me to death and they go and they take my head off or they hang me, as soon as they do that, I'm immediately in the presence of Christ. For me to die is to gain Christ. So that's better for me. But he's saying, for you, it's actually more necessary that I remain because if I remain, I'm convinced of this. I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. It's still about them. Paul just has a love for them. And it's amazing. Here he's saying, if I get out of prison... He's he's not thinking, I'm going to go take a long vacation. He says, no, when I get out of prison, I know it's because God wants me to come to you and to make sure your faith and joy are progressing. You're progressing in your faith. Progressing in your joy. Because I have a love for you, a longing for you. He wants them, and notice he says, it's the affection of Christ Jesus. That is, He says, look, I want to long for you and love you with the same kind of feelings and affections that Christ has for you. And Christ definitely loves the church. He laid his life down for the church. He laid his life down for you. And Paul is desiring to follow in his footsteps. Beloved, I ask you, What about you? Do you have the same kind of longing? But let me just say this as we kind of wrap this up together this morning. The only way anyone will ever have this kind of loyalty and this kind of love that I'm speaking about is that they first have come to have that loyalty and love for Christ. It starts with a relationship with Christ. This is not something you can just conjure up on the inside of you. This is something that God has to do on the inside of you by his grace. And it starts with you having a true, abiding, living, saving relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Because when you get saved, what does God do? It says, God pours his love into your heart. You have the love of God inside of you. You have the spirit of God inside of you. And that spirit of God who's inside of you and that love that is there will begin to manifest itself. And the way it will manifest itself is in a loyalty and a love for Christ, but then in a loyalty and a love for the people of God. That's why John says over there in 1 John, how can you say you love God if you don't love your brother? You can't see God. You can see your brother. So if you don't love your brother, you don't really love God. So let me ask you this morning. 
again, is does this seem somewhat foreign to you? To hear about, I'm supposed to have a loyalty? There's supposed to be a loyalty and a love that is here that, that, that I have for the other folks that are sitting around me and, and for, the, for, yes, the pastor and the pastor's supposed to have it for the people and, and this, this mutual bond that is there. Like, this is foreign to me. I, I, have, I have no desire for that. Well, beloved, please hear me. The reason why that is is because you don't have the love of God in your heart. And you need that. You need God. You need Christ. You need to repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. The love of God's on display at the cross, where He's there with His Son taking the wrath that we so justly deserve. So that everyone and anyone who puts their faith in him have the forgiveness of their sins and they have life eternal and they have a, a, in coming to him, they're given a new heart, a new life, a new direction. This is where it may need to start with some of you here today. Don't harden your heart towards this, but humble yourself. Put your faith in Christ. But for us as believers, we need to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves according to God's word. And ask God to expose your own heart about your attitude of loyalty, about your affection of love for one another. Let God deal with your heart. May you respond in obedience. May you respond in true repentance where there needs to be. Ask God to give you more of a heart of love and loyalty, a more of an attitude of loyalty and more of affection of love for one another. We know that's the will of God. So pray and ask for it. That God would help you. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer.